Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening into our podcast, CASDRAP. That stands for Confused Asian Zoomers, parentheses, Discuss Relevant American Problems. We're your hosts, Dina and... Yihong. In this podcast, we discuss trending social and political topics around the world. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Elections Part 2. Also, we were not expecting for that last episode to be so long. And so today we will be discussing voter suppression and mail-in ballots. Ballots. And Trump's tweet yesterday floating the idea that we postponed the election, which has never happened in American history. So we're going to dissect all of that today. Yes. let's, Let's go. So first, we're Trump's tweet. So basically, he said, um, "We're I'm gonna I'm gonna push for us to postpone the election so it's safe enough for everyone to go in." Mm-hmm. And throughout the past few months, Trump has made it clear that he is totally against mail-in ballots. But the thing is, is he doesn't have the power to postpone our election. Only both parts of Congress, both the House of Rep and the Senate senators are allowed to vote on pushing back the election. I think you need two-thirds of the state to agree in order for the election to be postponed, which is not Mm -hmm. happening. not happening. (laughs) Yeah. Democrats are definitely against it, and a lot of Republicans are like, because this is a fair this. democracy, no matter what, this is a country where we have, you know, we have elections. That's how our country runs. Mm-hmm. And what's exactly. really ironic, I find it so hypocritical because throughout these past five months of coronavirus, it's been clear that Trump does not care about safety or health yeah. or just, you know, indoor gatherings and spread of virus. But now he's pushing the idea that, oh, voting isn't safe. Okay, so if voting in a, in a voting booth isn't safe, why is returning to school safe? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. If I can't step into a, into a place for 10 minutes and vote, why should I have to spend seven and a half hours a day, every day, five days a week, with a bunch of other children in a compact building? Yeah, literally so he... Agenda, it's not about safety. It's about postponing the election so he can, wait, he can stay in power longer. Even Joe Biden yeah. predicted this. Trump is not going to easily give up power. And this is some yeah. dictator-type moves, and I don't like it. it I don't like it either. And it's also, fashion. I I think <laughs> he's, like, failed to realize that, like, no matter what, as soon as January 20th comes around, like, literally, he's out of here. Like, it's peace out for him. Because no matter what, like, the presidency term ends there. So he's no longer president. And so that means our vice president's out too because his terms end um speak i believe it goes next to the speaker of the house but their term would also be out right and so it'd be whoever i believe i think it'd be senate majority leader right who isn't yes which is so (laughs) mr is it mitch mcconnell yeah it is but the thing is the thing about that is that 
if the because you know how like their elections coming up too mm-hmm. for like House of Rep and the Senate, right? So if the Democrats win the majority of the House, then it'd be I forgot his name, but it would be the, the Senate, longest. Right. Yeah, the sorry, my bad. I'm so sorry. I don't. Is Mitch McConnell up for re-election? I don't know if he is right now, because the Senate is elected in staggers. But anyways, if yeah, I'm president because the term limit went over. No one voted for him. Only his own state voted for him. So also, why like he gross. Like Mitch McConnell. Really like, like <laughs> he's just disgusting. Like I don't like him. He just. Ugh. Like, every time he, like, I see him, like, a picture of him, I'm, like, I get, like, goosebumps on my legs, and it's just, like, it makes me uncomfy so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Mm. And just, you know, his his stance, the whole whole GOP bill, coronavirus aid. I don't even want to talk about it. No. He's just, like, he's not worth our time, because. Yeah, isn't there some sort of thing going on where like Trump cut funding for the postal service and appointed a new postmaster? Oh, I did not see that when I was um, researching, but I can oh. look it up. I-, I guess I'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, okay. You can so basically, Trump pulled a classic move on his part where he defunds things that don't help him. And also, he um, appointed a new postmaster general who is basically the person who's in charge of all the mail going through, and especially during this crucial time of uh, during a pandemic when mail-in ballots will be more important than ever before. He's the person who basically decides whether or not a ballot is... What's the word? Oh, I'm seeing it now. Um, so basically, he tweeted, in all caps, Mr. Trump has warned that allowing people to vote by mail will result in, result in a corrupt election, that it will lead to the end of our great Republican Party and become the scandal of our times. Right. Um, wasn't he the one that got, like, indicted? Yeah, so basically, the new Trump, this, the Postmaster General is going to have a huge influence on the election this year. Yeah, obviously. He he should have an unbiased stance. He should not have open political views because that would cause reasonable, like, worries for people during this election, right? But what happened is Trump appointed Louis DeJoy, who is a known big donor to the Republican Party, big Republican himself, as the Postmaster General. Also, why has mail become like political? politicized? Literally, yeah, like that. Like, where where's the correlation? Like, I I thought mail was just getting like papers from one place to another place. Like, it should not be about being Republican, being Democratic, being conservative, or being right. a liberal. Like, and literally, like no correlation. I know people will say like, "Oh, Trump did this so long ago. It he didn't even know coronavirus was going to happen." Kind of like they said when he disbanded the pandemic forcing. Yeah, no, Louis DeJoy, the current postmaster general, took office in June of 2020. Trump oh, and-, and his campaign definitely knew mail-in ballots were going to be a big deal in this election. So, what Obviously. is he doing? He's messing with the election. Yeah, also Trump has been always like I think I don't want to say always, but he has been a pretty big advocate against mail-in ballots, mm-hmm. even though he's like he has a mail-in ballot. Like he's a resident of 
Florida. Florida. But he can't go to Florida and vote. So he sends in a ballot from Washington, D.C. to Florida. Right. So where is his, where is, like, why is he so against it, but yet he uses it, like, and Doesn't people will sense. say, oh, but he's the president. He can't just walk into a polling station and vote. Why yeah, not? No, Obama voted in 2012 in Chicago. I think Trump can vote. And if he can't, maybe it's just because a lot of people don't like him and it's not safe for him. That's his problem. But that's if, what we have the Secret Service for. If the president thinks that he can vote by mail, then he should extend that, that right, a right, not a luxury, a right to everyone. Yeah. Because voting should be easy. It shouldn't be hard. And if voting exactly. is made difficult, then that is called voter suppression. Which comes into our next little segment. Mm-hmm. So voter suppression is um, is actually a big problem in the United States. Some, uh, some tactics that people use, uh, <clears throat> Republicans use. <laughs> and Democrats, to- you know, we can't stereotype here. <laughs> But it's mostly Republicans. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, it's mostly Mm -hmm. Republicans. Like, a lot of, like... um, So, this kind of goes off track a little. But in 2018, there was basically a whole, like, scandal in Georgia um, about voter suppression. And so, basically, the Florida... I mean, I'm so sorry. Georgia. In Georgia, the Georgia's, like governor or it wasn't governor but george's the person that was in charge of the elections was also running to be governor of georgia and so and it was it was this white guy i don't even remember his name because he was so like it was just the most basic white guy and he it was him against a black african woman Mm -hmm. who's beautiful and she, they were both going against each other. So she would have been the first black woman um, uh, to, be governor. to be a governor of any state, I believe. But at mm-hmm. least for, for Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so basically, this guy basically put in to put into work. I mean, not into work. Put in like so-called like like requirements to vote so that like people of color in black communities who would have voted for her would vote would not be able to vote Mm -hmm. and so i think um a lot of like some of the biggest um tactics that people use to increase voter suppression is voter id laws and so basically, voter ID, 36 states have identification requirements at the polls. Seven states have strict photo ID laws under which voters must present one of a limited set of forms of government-issued photo ID in order to cast a regular ballot. No exceptions. So one of those states is actually Texas. So love that for us. And over mm-hmm. 21 million U.S. citizens do not have a government-issued photo identification. And that's because ID cards, cards aren't always accessible for everyone. The ID itself can be costly. And even when IDs are free, applicants must, in, applicants must incur that 
other expenses to obtain the underlying documents that are needed to get an ID. Mm-hmm. This can be a significant burden on people in lower income communities. And further, the travel required to uh, required is an obstacle for people with disabilities, the elderly, elderly and people living in rural areas. And so basically people that are typically poor and people of color and people that don't have cars, they're basically told that they can't vote because they're too poor. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and you know, those people, I'm just going to say it. Most of those people vote Democratic. Yeah. I mean, where's the lot? I mean, that's statistically true, so. Yeah. And then another thing that they use is voter registration restrictions. So in some states, in many states, that you can't have same-day voter registration. Like, you have to do it ahead of time. So in Texas, like, we have to have it in by October 5th, I want to say. It's around in October, but we have to register to vote before that time. And if we do it any later or even on the voter, um, on the day of the election, we're not allowed to. Yeah, I. that seems like, I don't know if this is true or not, but if you have, like, early deadlines for voting registration, I feel like what can happen is if you don't publicize and advertise that deadline mm-hmm. people will not will forget especially people who you know work multiple jobs don't have access to like social media live in poor income communities and they're mm-hmm. gonna miss that voting deadline they won't be able to vote and yeah. again who typically are the people who are working multiple jobs are in lower income areas people of color and what do people of color tend to vote for democrat i mean i just see the lines being connected here and yeah. i'm just thinking got to draw the lines together i mean i'm just i'm just drawing the lines i'm not saying if this is true or not but (laughs) it just seems very convenient for republicans Mm -hmm. um so politicians often use unfounded claims of voter fraud to try to justify registration restrictions and restricting the terms and requirements of registration is one of the most common forms of voter suppression Restrictions can include requiring documents to prove citizenship or identification, um, penalties for voter registration drives, or limiting the window of time, like I said earlier, in which voters can register. Mm -hmm. So in 2011, Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach championed a law requiring... Let's let's start talking about mail-in ballots. Okay. So, I will do the facts and stats on mail-in ballots. So, there are two kinds of mailing ballot systems, universal vote-by-mail and absentee balloting. In Mm -hmm. 2016, nearly one quarter of U.S. votes were cast by mail. So, that's about 33 million votes. That's what the article said. And despite partisan fears, research suggests that neither party gains an advantage. And so there's no evidence that mail ballots increase electoral fraud either. Several anti-fraud protections are built into the process. Those who abuse mail-in ballots can be charged with election fraud 
and face fines or prison time. And so I just wanna, oh, oh, let okay. me interject for a quick second. I want to reiterate what Vina just said. Having higher voter turnout won't necessarily benefit Democrats. Mm-hmm. I was reading a graph by the New York Times. It turns out that one of the l- lowest voter turnout demographics are white non-college graduates. Yeah. And so by inference, higher voter turnout from that group would result in more votes for Trump, right? Yeah, exactly. So, let, so you know, people, I think one of the reasons why people, especially Republicans, don't want mail-in ballot is because they think that having higher turnout would result in Democratic victory, which number yeah. one, I don't see a problem with. If that's what the people want, then that's how it is. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case necessarily. Anyways, yeah, continue. That's one of my points. Like Republicans fear that the the mail bat- balloting will increase votes for Democrats. They worry that individuals who are part of groups that are typically vote in lower numbers will cast absentee ballots because of the ease of doing so. This includes young people, low-income people, minorities, and those without access to transportation. But in actuality, one of the groups that benefits from absentee ballots is senior citizens who often vote for the GOP party. Mm-hmm. And also, there's, um, according to the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU, there's no evidence that mail balloting increases electoral fraud as there are several protections, as I said earlier, that are put into into pro- into place so that make it difficult to impersonate voters or steal ballots. And um, there's one there's one case where um, where there was voter fraud. In 2018, North Carolina Republicans were, it was Republicans, might I add. So Mm -hmm. that whole Republican mindset that Democrats will um, create voter fraud is actually wrong um, in in this typical, or not in in this case, at least. Um, North Carolina Republicans were cited for election fraud involving mail ballots, a campaign staff, who worked for Mark Harris in his ninth congressional district race was indicted for mishandling mail ballots and directing others to engage in electoral election fraud. Mm-hmm. The evidence was so widespread that a federal judge invalidated the election and called for a special election. So if there's evidence, and it's really easy to find evidence for election fraud, especially when it comes from mail-in ballots. And in these cases, like, federal judges will either, like, like they did in this, where they have to do a re-election, but people get face time in prison, or they, like, get hefty fines for, like, for creating election fraud. Like, it's mm-hmm. a federal offense. So, Vina, I have a question. Mm-hmm. So, do you, does using mail-in ballots actually increase the risk of voter fraud happening? It does not. There's no research that goes into show that it increases it. There's no evidence that mail-in ballot like increases electoral fraud, electoral mm-hmm. fraud. Like there's okay. literally like 
the U.S. Postal Service, which is a federal, like, department for our government. Like, they are put, they put in so many measures that prevent people from their votes from being, like, lost, um, Mm -hmm. uh, made, like, impersonated, or, like, Mm -hmm. people just steal them. Like, it's really hard for that to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, when that does happen, a lot of the times people are caught. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can't really claim, like, there's going to – it's electoral fraud because, like, people are literally, like – Yeah. And so just to back that up, I have a BBC article pulled up. Um, mm-hmm. According to a 2017 study by the Brennan Center for Justice, in the yes. U.S., the rate of voting fraud is between 0.000004% and 0.0009%. So that's just statistical grounds for the fact that voter fraud just isn't likely with mail-in ballots. Mm -hmm. Now, another to follow up, why do you think that Donald Trump is pushing this idea that mail-in ballots would result in a fraudulent election? Because I think a lot of the people, I think this is what I've thought of. Like, I've been thinking, like, why the hell does he keep on saying stuff like this? And the only reasonable thing I can think of is like people that are at risk for coronavirus are obviously less likely to hit the polls because they're they're scared like people with asthma people with respiratory diseases people who are been really scared about coronavirus and elderly and and elderly. elderly people which and people of color people who actually are more democratic They've been very like weary of the against, virus, yeah, and they've been against going into like large places. And as you see, like a lot of the blue states, they've shut down completely because they don't want to like for the coronavirus to spread. And so those people are less likely to go into large places where there's several people and to vote than the people that call the virus a quote-unquote hoax, a.k.a. Trump supporters. hmm You know? So at this point, like, if it was just you have to go to a place and vote, I think he thinks he's going to win, but I don't think he understands the fact that a lot of people are willing to risk their lives to mm-hmm. vote him out. So basically he thinks that by forcing people to go to a physical location to vote, there will be a lower Democratic voter turnout. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and just an interesting note. It's funny because I feel like a lot of elderly people would be too scared to risk voting, which typically are Trump voters, right? Exactly. But I guess you could say that the elderly who vote Trump maybe don't believe in the coronavirus or aren't scared of it. Mm. And I don't know, Trump, to me, his support base looks like a cult, and I feel like they would risk it for him. Yeah, that's you know, true. Not to stereotype, but yeah, anyways. I mean, yeah. So more on with mail-in ballots. Um, I mean, that's like the big things. Mm-hmm. But there have been, as of like now, um, uh, so according to the National Council of State Legislatures, 34 states plus the District of Columbia now allow voters in the weeks before the election to request absentee ballots. And mm-hmm. another 11 states have made it easier to request absentee ballots for primary elections 
taking place this year in large part has to do over the coronavirus. And when we look, it's literally majority of those states are, you guessed it, um, Democratic, mostly blue states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, looking at this map, like Texas is not even like it's grayed out. And so it's like Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, South Carolina, like you got all the southern states. Actually, Georgia and Florida and Vermont. I'm not Vermont. I'm so sorry. And Virginia and North Carolina, like they are, they have like no excuse absentee mail-in ballots. But a lot of the states, like Texas, already has mail-in ballots, but you need to have an a like valid excuse for why you can't go or like why mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah. And I think that that just goes to show that which party values people actually getting to vote in a safe manner. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of the times, like, are it just shows that a lot of these people that are in power care more about their power than the people that they're governing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just shows not even, I mean, we've like, been new. I mean, it's already been known, but it's, like, also, like, that just shows how, like, selfish and greedy our government has turned into. Well, that would have to imply that they weren't selfish and greedy from the start, but they were. But, like, I just think it's, it's time for, like, I think we just, us as humanity just needs to have, like, a moral cleansing. I think that, yeah, I agree. I think we need a brand new Congress. Oh. <laughs> and quick, quick advertisement. I would love for everyone listening to our podcast to check out brandnewcongress.org. Look at their, yes. look at their, um, what their platform is about, the 21st Century Bill of Rights. Uh-huh. Look into all their candidates. Basically, what they want to do is ch- flip the House. They want to change Congress to have representatives who truly represent the people and don't work mm-hmm. for corporate interests. Because we need yes. politicians who act in the interests of their voters not big companies. Yep. And so, they're basically the people that got AOC into Cong- um yeah, into Congress. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the yeah, one of the big tenets of brand new Congress is they don't accept any corporate PAC money. And they're a grassroots organization, so they really rely on small donors. And so if exactly. anyone feels compelled to donate to their cause, anything, a monthly contribution of ten bucks even, everything counts. So please exactly. donate if you can to Brand New Congress or Sunrise Democrats or any other progressive movement that is working to help fix America. Anyways, exactly. Back onto our topic. So, <laughs> Vina, please tell me what is going on with the U.S. Postal Service right now. Um. So basically, the U.S. Postal Service has actually said that. I mean, obviously, they're for mail-in ballots, mm-hmm. but they said instead of the election date being in November, it actually has to be in October 20th. Kansans to show proof of citizenship documents Mm. in order to register to vote, citing false claims of non-citizen voting. Most people don't carry the required documents on hand, like a passport or birth certificate. And as a Mm -hmm. result, the law blocked over 30,000 thousand Kansans from voting Mm -hmm. wow and just for some you know perspective Kansas 
only has a population of 2.9 million so you know 30,000 is a pretty significant chunk Mm -hmm. yeah that's crazy yeah Um, and okay I have a question for you I have a question yeah so Go I've seen it. a lot of conservatives talking about how oh voter ID laws are good because then it proves that people can vote and then it prevents non-citizens or like illegal people from uh, voting. Does, does voter ID laws really prevent voter fraud? I mean, it's kind of like... It's like, kind of a difficult okay. question, I, would, I guess, because like, you know, I could walk in claiming that I'm you at mm-hmm. a polling booth and just be like, yeah, and then they check the name off and then I go in. Yeah, but it's kind of like, I think it's also like in like airports when you're traveling domestically, like a kid or like even I could go walk through the airport security with a school ID that proves it's me. Mm -hmm. And like technically it doesn't prove it's me, but it's kind of like a trust kind of thing, you know? I guess. I mean, I just came up with a solution on the top of my head. Like, we live in a really digitized world where we have a lot of technology, right? Mm-hmm. What if, like, we just kept a database of pictures with names and information of every U.S. citizen? That's regardless of regardless of like at the government does it. Yeah, and that's like regardless of your income level, regardless of your race, regardless of if you're homeless or not, if you have a driver's license or whatever. Just keep a database mm-hmm. of that. And then so whenever you, like, check in to go vote, they just look at your face, look at your name. Great. I feel like yeah. that would eliminate, like, that. I feel like that satisfies both sides of the argument. People, exactly. you confirm people are the people they say they are. And then everyone's able to vote that way. Exactly. And another tactic that people use is to close voting booths in areas that are low income. Mm-hmm. aka democratic areas mm-hmm. so basically 70 percent of georgia's verge voters that were purged in 2018 were black mm. so basically the people that were gonna vote for the black woman mm-hmm. yeah and i think um this is also kind of a race issue like even when our country was founded like you couldn't vote Unless you were either white, owned property, or a man. Like, that was the only way you could vote. Well, all three combined. Oh, yeah, all three combined. So if you were black and owned land, you couldn't vote. If you were a woman and owned land, you couldn't vote. If you were a white man but didn't own land, you couldn't vote. And that's just how it was. And then there – and then – Later on, you were able to vote even though you own, didn't own property. So that basically meant white men could vote, mm-hmm. but only white men. And then the 13th Amendment happened. And while we already had a conversation about this, and it was the loophole with the um, mass incarcerated people, mm-hmm. but... That's, like, another way of voter suppression. But basically, only black, like, men could vote at that time. But, yeah, but like, not I, I think really. Another form of voter suppression that happened to black people is they started, like, charging money to have to vote, knowing uh-huh. black people didn't have money, considering they just became 
free from being slaves and then second like they like started arguing that you needed to have some sort of cognitive test to vote yeah so knowing black people hadn't received schooling Uh uh-huh i mean if that's what they want why don't we do that now for trump supporters (laughs) why don't why don't we make a requirement that you need a college degree if we're gonna make that argument you know yeah it really just shows that like also just like quickly talking back to the mass incarceration and voter suppression just want to like touch on the topic again just for every anyone who doesn't know uh prisoners can't vote or convicted criminals can't vote um actually that is incorrect oh um so basically in each state it varies Mm-hmm. So there are some states where all people with the felony convictions are permanently disenfranchised. So mm-hmm. if you have a conviction, you can't vote. And then there's states where some people with a felony conviction cannot vote, but other people can. It all depends on like which felony and the person. Okay. And it's like, I think it's like up to a judge to determine it. Mm-hmm. And then there's some states, so Texas is like that, people with the felony convictions can vote up um, upon completion of their sentence. So say if okay. like you com- you had like your sentence said two years of jail and one year of probation. So after those three years, like you can vote after that. And then uh, other states, there's like six cra- categories, sorry. Other states have people in prison and on parole cannot vote. All other people with criminal convictions, including people on probation can vote. Well, I guess even if it varies by state, if there's a state that just doesn't allow convicted felons from voting, and we already talked about how the war on drugs and conviction of people for like minor drug crimes and petty drug crimes, mm-hmm. that's another form of disenfranchisement. And yeah. it tends to be people of color and black people who are convicted for petty drug crimes. Exactly. And so there you go, more voter suppression against people of color. So states, um, states that I'm looking at the graph right now that ACLU.org has, mm-hmm. and it, you look and basically states that vote more conservative are the ones with the more rule regulations on formerly incarcerated people. But there's also a group of people, so there's people in prison cannot vote, but everyone else can vote. And there's only two states in all of America that allows everyone can vote no matter if they were incarcerated at all. And that is Maine and Vermont. Wow. The woke yeah. states. Yep. I literally, mm-hmm. Vermont's so cute. Like I've been, I'm sorry, this is really off topic, but like I've been seeing a lot of TikTok videos on like of little liberal towns in Vermont. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm in love because I, like I see like Black Lives Matter posters. Like literally the other day I saw like a car like that's parked on a street and it had a MAGA hat in the dashboard and I'm like that's great I love that I live in Texas (laughs) it's okay (laughs) we're gonna flip Texas yeah hopefully okay so another form of voter suppression is gerrymandering so basically like I think a lot of people forget that this still exists, but every ten years, states redraw district lines based mm-hmm. on population data gathered in census. Mm-hmm. Legislatures use these distinct lines to allocate representation in Congress and state legislatures. When redistricting, 
is conducted properly, district lines are redrawn to reflect population changes and racial diversity. But often, but too often, states use redistricting as a political tool to manipulate the outcomes of elections. That's mm-hmm. called gerrymandering, a widespread mm-hmm. of undemocratic practice that's stifling the voice of millions of voters. And in this case and scenario, this happens on both Republicans and Democrats. Either a party will take like a very concentrated part of a city or a state and mm-hmm. they'll like split it up. And so the surrounding parts that are another party. So say it's like a like a cluster of like Republican voters. And then Mm -hmm. in the surrounding, like, areas, it's Democratic voters. So what they will do is that they'll split up each of the districts. And so, like, they'll split up that little, like, little place where the Republicans are. Mm -hmm. And they'll split up, like, the population so that they're, like, overpowered by the Democrats. So it's mm-hmm. not one place of just Republicans. It's like like the Republican piece is split into pieces. Or mm-hmm. they might do it where there's like kind of a widespread amount of like Republicans, or je- Democrats. And so uh, say there's like a widespread of Democrats in one area. And it's kind of like all over the place, but they're like, like several spots of like highly concentrated Democratic voters. And they'll just like group them all into one group so they're only one district and the Mm -hmm. rest of the area is just republicans yeah and that is what gerrymandering is yeah and so gerrymandering if you ever look on a map you'll see it's all those weirdly shaped districts that are like snaky and skinny and crawling all over the place Mm -hmm. super undemocratic everyone should be upset about it and everyone should fill out their census because the census is really what determines everything for the next 10 years mm-hmm. if you haven't filled it out you better fill it out that's what determines funding that's what determines district lines that's what determines how many representatives we're gonna have for the next 10 years mm-hmm. fill out your census yep and traditionally exactly. people of color are less likely to do their census and it results in underrepresentation of minority groups so please oh, do it yeah and also didn't trump like want an he issue? wanted to put uh if you're a citizen Mm-hmm. Or some yeah. sort of citizenship status on the census yeah to keep either illegal immigrants or people who have like like unsure citizenship status from filling out the census mm-hmm. knowing that it would keep people away from doing that another yeah, and version also, and also like didn't someone also want to get rid of the spanish form for the census I'm not sure, but that might probably happen. I think I remember reading that, but I'm not 100% sure. So don't take my word for that. Anyways, so... I I have like one little problem with the census is the fact that it groups all Asians into one as if we're one just big racial group. Mm, We're not. not. Asia is a continent, not an ethnicity. It's really not. Like Vina and I are both Asian, but we look nothing like each other. Yeah, and also, like, me and Yihong are from the same, like, part of Asia, too. And, like, yeah. we look nothing alike. Right. And I we just... have two very different cultures, too. 
and I feel like that is like subliminally giving into the model minority myth, which we talked about, the fact that all Asians are one monolith and that we're all successful. Because what happens is then you're undermining the number of Asians who are in poverty or mm-hmm. who don't have an education. You know, they, they need federal funding, but they're not getting it. Exactly. So yeah, anyways, that was a bit of a tangent. But... <laughs> yeah. Also, okay. So this these are the people that are disproportionately affected by voter suppression. So mm-hmm. I like I said earlier how in 70% of Georgia voters were purged in 2018 were black. Mm-hmm. And then across the country, one in 13 black Americans cannot vote due to disenfranchisement laws. Mm-hmm. So not only like people with felonies, but also, oh, I forgot to uh, mention this earlier, but sometimes every few years, the like government will do a cleaning up of voter rolls so they can determine like who has died, who's moved or mm-hmm. become eligible to vote. But sometimes they they use this as a method of mass disenfranchisement, purging eligible voters for roles of illegitimate reasons based on inaccurate data. So mm-hmm. maybe like they'll like mistype your name on one form, but they spell it correctly on this. And since there's so many rules on who can vote and like the requirements for voting, that that person can't vote for basically a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so that basic, a single purge can stop hundreds of thousands of people from voting. And I think this one's like one of the most unbiased voter suppression rules because it happens to people both on Republican and Democratic sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one third of voters who have disabilities report difficulty voting. So they don't have transportation to get there. They don't have the correct forms. They're too poor. Like it, there's too many reasons. And only 40% of polling places fully accommodate people with disabilities. That's 40%. Mm-hmm. Like that baffles me. Like get your crap together, people. Anyways, across the country, counties with larger minority populations have fewer polling sites and poll workers working per voter place where has more black and brown people will have say 10 poll workers per voter mm-hmm. or my bad 10 um wait no i'm so sorry like let's just say they had three workers there in total yeah just working that a, polling station yeah exactly and then, and then uh, like in a uh, white majority community there's like 10 workers or something yeah Exactly. And what this, I get, what happens is you have long lines at polling stations for people who can't wait in line that long because they have jobs to be working. Exactly. Yeah. And get this, us students, well, not us as in students, like college students, six in 10 college students come from out of state in New Hampshire, the state trying to, wait, sorry, Six in ten college students come out of state in New Hampshire. The state is trying to block residents with out-of-state driver's license. Mm. So basically, like, they're registered to live in New Hampshire because mm-hmm. that's where they're, like, their payroll, like, their parents live there. But they also have to have a driver's license for another 
state like states require them to have another driver's license Mm -hmm. so if they have that other driver's license they can't vote in new hampshire even though they're a resident in new hampshire Mm -hmm. and their parents still pay taxes to new Mm -hmm. hampshire so yeah that's voting suppression for college students so we love that so we're basically penalized to get an education from out of state and i I just want i want to say in election 2020, we're going to see a shortage in poll workers because the majority of poll workers are 16 above elderly who mm-hmm. are, you know, more at risk and more susceptible to coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And with fewer poll workers, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be able to vote. So I would urge everybody, you know, you can check out on Trevor Noah's YouTube channel. At the end of all of his videos, he talks about it. There's a website where you can... Um, volunteer to work at a polling station it's paid too so it's like a job Mm -hmm. we need young people to work polling stations because you know our country's built on democracy and the ability for everyone to vote and we need polling stations to be up and running especially this election because we need to vote that dump trump out of here that orange get that orange out of here period yeah well i guess that concludes our election discussion two-part series a cute little mini series yes we love this so in conclusion we've seen way too much disenfranchisement of people of color people who typically vote democrat and also just you know voter suppression on an unbiased scale as well in general Mm -hmm. and i think that everyone should be equally outraged about this because it affects everybody and if we're going to live in a country where the people have the say then every person should have a say not just suburban middle-class or rich people, privileged mm-hmm. people. No, everyone should have to say. Yeah, exactly. So with that. Thank you guys for listening so to the super, the super long episode, two episodes and to all of yeah. our Zoomers, stay confused. Don't be a jerk. Peace out. Bye guys. <laughs>